0: Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Hello and welcome to the Shift with CJ podcast. I'm your host CJ and today I don't have another guest for you. What do I mean by that? Normally, you would have an expert around the world that will join me on this podcast while we're talking about all things health, wellness, biohacking. But today, I've decided to do something different. I've decided to talk to you myself and highlight some of the main things that have been happening in the health and biohacking space. So how about that? While I'm at my house in an afternoon recharging my kidneys via some frequency biohacking stuff, I decided to pull up the mic and tell you about what is going on. So what is really going on? Today, you're going to learn about some of the most interesting things I've found out when it comes to anti-aging, longevity, health, sleep. I'm going to give you some reasons why you should increase your intake of sunlight, and much more. So without further ado, let's dig in. First things first, everyone's been talking to me about sleeping, and especially as I meet people who are growing up and aging, most of the times their sleep quality drops. And now, As a general rule of thumb, I always advise people to spend extra time and attention when it comes to sleeping, because as we're growing up, we lose a special chemical in the body. It's actually in the brain. It is called hypocretin. Now, many of the animal studies have shown that as animals age, they can lose up to 38% of their hypocretin in the brain. And as we lose this hypocretin... The ones that are remaining cause our neurons to be hyperexcited and fire more readily which means you will not be able to sleep for longer. So please take care of your sleep. Some of the other ways I've found to increase this hypocretins is by getting lots of sunlight, eating some fermented foods, having specific amino acids such as glycine, serine, proline, glutamine, these all... Sure to increase hypocritin levels. Also, calorie restriction is one. There are some evidence even showing that fiber and omega-3 oils can do it too. So, if you're losing sleep, you know why it is right now. So, you can do some of these steps to hack it. And then, you know that I'm always excited to see any new research about longevity and anti-aging. So, I found an organization called the interventions testing program which has a good record of testing various molecules on the face of this planet that increase our lifespan and i found a special report which they went through some of the key components in the anti-aging world and they had some very interesting findings so one of the top molecules that they looked at was glycine when the interventions testing program trial glycine, it actually led to a 4 to 6% increase in total lifespan in both males and females. Now, 4 to 6% is a lot. Think about it, like how long do you want to be alive for? I want to live till 150. Uh, you know, your average healthy lifespan is 100 years old. So what if you could get 6% more? It's quite a lot, with just one molecule. Now, glycine has traditionally been also used with something called as NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine. And these are the building blocks for a powerful antioxidant in the body called glutathione. Glutathione has also been referred to the master antioxidant system. And it's maintained for about, 45 years as we age and then it starts declining very sharply so it's time that you pay attention to your glutathione levels in fact a week or two ago i did an instagram reel on how to increase glutathione levels in your body so you guys can go and check that but in 2021 human trials on glycine and nac supplements were going on for 24 weeks which increase glutathione. By using glycine and NAC, you were able to restore the glutathione balance, and now there's enough data to prove it. And in 2021, a human trial of a group of molecules called combined metabolic activators that consisted of glutathione precursors even cut recovery time for the same thing that has kept us in our house isolated for the last two to three years. I cannot name it, but for the benefit of this conversation, let's call this virus you-know-who from Harry Potter. Now, the next one is nicotinamide riboside or NR. This is also called a metabolic activator. And... um, This specific molecule has been used in the anti-aging world to increase something in your body called as NAD. Now, NAD is a very important molecule in the human body. And new research shows that it declines in our body after 60 years old. And our metabolism of NAD is just declining. So as you're getting older, you need more NAD. And by rebuilding the NAD stores, we can hopefully restore this metabolism and improve our resilience against stress and against various diseases. Now, when the interventions testing program trialed nicotinamide riboside, it directly did not affect the lifespan, but what it did was it increase various parts of metabolism and made our metabolism resilient against metabolic attacks now you must be wondering what are metabolic attacks for example think of sunlight alcohol i travel too much so i'm always in a circadian mismatch all these time zone interruptions can think of it as metabolic attacks and for all of these things you could take nicotinamide riboside and that would make you more stronger moving on The third molecule that they said was really good was, this is a mouthful, 17-alpha-estradiol. 17-alpha-estradiol, which is a non-feminizing type of estrogen. When the interventions testing program trialed it, it extended lifespan by 19%. And again, I want to make sure that you guys understand, just because it says estradiol, doesn't mean it functions as estrogen this is the non-feminizing type of estrogen and it's important because these estrogenic actions have been increasingly recognized to have potential health and anti-aging benefits it's not just the males that seem to get this benefit from this molecule even in female subjects there is a 20 percent reduction in body weight see what it does, it even reduces body weight. This is something that I am willing to test and to try out. The fourth thing that they came up with was SGL2I inhibitors. What is SGL2I inhibitors? This is a class of medication that is routinely been prescribed to, let's say, type 2 diabetics. When the interventions testing program trialed it, it extended male. Mice's lifespan by 14%. And also in 2019, they did a systematic review, which was published, I think, in the Lancet Journal, which looked at specifically things at heart disease outcomes in over 34,000 patients. And what we could see from the study was that SGL2I inhibitors reduce heart attacks by 11% and reduce the progression of kidney disease by 45%. And the way this medicine works is by encouraging the kidney to sort of like pee out all the sugar that is there in the bloodstream and eliminates it from the system. This also has a dual effect because it could blunt your blood sugar levels. That is a very big factor in extension of your lifespan. And... The potential for this molecule is quite a lot, in my opinion, because as we age, our kidney functions decline. And these days, I'm seeing data. It's not even from your 30s or 40s. It's starting from your 20s. And, um, you know, we have have a lot of blood sugar issues. We have non-diabetic kidney diseases in many countries. So I wonder what this molecule could do for everyone. The fifth one was rapamycin. Now, rapamycin has been the darling of the anti-aging industry for quite some time. Um, And um, the trial has it over and over again. When you try this molecule, it extends both male and female lifespan. Um, What happens is that rapamycin is normally taken once or twice a week. And it can also be taken with some other things like Ficetin and much more. One of the things that, one of the reasons why I personally don't use rapamycin is because it is shown to reduce mitochondrial health by a few percentage. It's not too much, but if you're exercising, you don't want to be using rapamycin on that day because it can reduce your mitochondrial chondrial health now it's not that these are the only molecules that came up there were other molecules which i have personally used uh, one of them is physetin. Um, and physetin, the way it works is as we age some of our cells stop dividing and they become like zombies or like how we like to call it in science senescent Fisetin uh, also holds the potential to clear out these zombie cells because these cells, think about it, these cells are just sitting there and not doing much and, you know, just taking up so much energy. So it's, fisetin is one of the very good things if you have the senescent cell problem and all of us will have that problem. The second thing which I am quite excited to find out is alpha-ketoglutarate or AKG. Now, this molecule I first came across it in 2020 where I think it was a my study that showed about 15 or 16% improvement in lifespan. I'm honestly since that time many companies have gained attention over it and many companies have now been introducing alpha ketoglutarate in their formulas and I'm super excited to see what comes up and super excited to give this a shot. One of the other things that also came up was hyaluronic acid. I don't even know how I can say that right. Let's try it again. Hyaluronic acid. And even hyaluronic acid, it decreases in our body as we age. And think of hyaluronic acid as a major component for things like connective tissue, um, blood vessels, skin, organs, and in twenty twenty one there was a twelve week double blind placebo control, which is like the gold standard study um, performed for twelve weeks and we saw that hyaluronic acid significantly improves skin elasticity. Now, if hyaluronic acid can improve skin health, um think of ladies think about wrinkles and dry skin uh, maybe it can improve blood vessel health and health in the other parts of our body so It is an important component to longevity. So there you have it. Here are some of the fountain of youth molecules. Um, I would encourage you to learn more about them and add them in your anti-aging thing, routine, um, ritual, supplements, whatever you call it. And lastly, we've seen for about the last three years That sitting indoors isn't really a good thing. We were forced to sit indoors and now everyone wants to be outdoors. And that is good because we are getting our vitamin D. And one of the things that has come up in the past few years is that vitamin D is one of the most crucial things for maintaining your overall health and even for longevity. And you'll see like many people or doctors are now advising to have vitamin D. Uh, supplements and vitamin d um, tests but there is more to sunlight than vitamin d and today i would like to give you another reason why you should be exposing yourself to sensible sunlight remember people block letters sensible sunlight which means not overexposing yourself to like crazy amounts of sunlight and the reason why that is it's melatonin. Now, melatonin, over 95% of melatonin is actually made inside your mitochondria. And how is it made? It's made in response to near-infrared radiation that comes from the sun. And some people would be like, oh, no, CJ, melatonin is made in your pineal gland. Yes, it is. But that only accounts for 5% of the overall melatonin that you have now when I tell people about melatonin most of the people tell me hey CJ I do take some melatonin supplements but I hate to break this to you but those melatonin supplements do not end up in your mitochondria where they are needed the most to reduce the damage from oxidative stress produced as a part of the electron transport chain (laughs) I I can also think of some people thinking that, hey, CJ, melatonin, isn't it responsible for making me sleep? And most of the people I've spoken to always would include melatonin in their ritual only to make them sleep. But for those people, there is also another big reason. Um, Melatonin is a hormone that makes you sleep. Yes, correct. But then... You'd be happy to know that melatonin is actually a master hormone. It is a powerful antioxidant. It's an antioxidant recycler and it's a master regulator of two most important things with health span, peak performance, longevity, which is inflammation and cell death. Now, these functions are a part of what makes melatonin a very, very important molecule. Even, I would say, you know, if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast, like it's one of the most strongest anti-cancer molecules that we have. Now, let's go back to it. Melatonin is produced in your mitochondria in response to near infrared radiation, which is basically sunlight. It's a part of the infrared spectrum. Because near-infrared has much longer wavelength than ultraviolet, it can penetrate deep into your body, which reaches in your cells, in your subcutaneous tissue, uh, not just on your skin. Near-infrared light is rather... And you can't see near-infrared light. You can feel it because it's like warm. And it's so powerful that it can also penetrate in... If, let's say, you're out on a normal day, maybe here in Dubai or somewhere else... You have some normal like t-shirt on and it could really penetrate inside that as well. So that's why I always encourage people to go outside. Even if, you know, you're wearing something, just, just go for a walk. It's good for you. And why I stress on the mitochondria so much is because mitochondria are really one of the key to the puzzle to increase your peak performance, longevity, health span, lifespan, Everything, and um, so we know that mitochondria make all the energy in our body. And as a byproduct of this energy, we also produce something called as reactive oxygen species, which are responsible for something called as oxidative stress. Now, excess amount of oxidative stress, in fact, damages the mitochondria. And contributes to suboptimal health, inflammation, um, chronic health conditions. Uh, What are the chronic health conditions we face today? Think of it. Um, Diabetes, obesity, uh, various things like blood clots. So, you see, uh, these reactive oxygen species isn't really something great for us. Now, the good news is that your body has Like always, it's a genius mechanism and it has a built-in technology to counteract this reactive oxygen species. Inside your mitochondria, you also have an oxidant system, which is called melatonin. And by the way, we spoke about glutathione earlier, so melatonin also upregulates your glutathione pathway. Melatonin has always been highlighted as a sleep-regulating hormone And at night, the level of melatonin produced by a pineal gland rises, which sort of makes you sleepy and ready for bed. And as the sun rises in the morning, the level automatically recycles and goes less, which allows you to really wake up. Because if you have too much melatonin in your system, you won't be able to wake up. When we are traveling as a part of the travel hacks, I encourage people to use melatonin even in the day and you will if you are someone who's used melatonin in the day you would find out that how sleepy you can get because as melatonin levels rise you fall more sleepy but that's not really all that melatonin does as melatonin is released in the night it travels through your circulatory system and is absorbed by your cells once the melatonin um, once it's inside the cell rather melatonin clears all this damaging reactive oxygen species melatonin also helps counteract the damage that this reactive oxygen species have during the day during a different pathway during the day near infrared light like i mentioned from the sun can penetrate deep into the body and activate something called as cytochrome c oxidase which produces the melatonin inside the mitochondria and cytochrome c oxidase is also a part of the respiratory chain which makes atp or energy and if you know something we need lots of energy to deal with everything in life like to peak performance anti-age cellular regeneration the more atp you can create the better it is but when you dig down into the scientific literature of melatonin uh, melatonin and sunlight are linked that we have already established um, But there are, in fact, two forms of melatonin. One is circulatory and one is subcellular. Or, let's say, the one that you know is produced by the pineal gland, 5%, and is secreted into the blood, or the ones that are produced by a mitochondria, and it's usually there locally, so we call that subcellular. Um, Both of this can be controlled by sunlight, this we know, and... Think about this. From the beginning of human history, people have lived and worked not indoors. They have worked outdoors um, during the day, absorbing all the light from the sky, from the sun. And um, when we look at some data, an average of 10 hours um, people would be outside. So that's like 70 hours a week. And today, what do you think the hours are? I think we spend less than maybe it was like 20 or 30 minutes per day. So we are not designed to be like this. People wake up, go outside, get some sunlight. And so this near infrared light, um, also increases, like we mentioned, subcellular melatonin. And, um, it can also activate different pathways such as NF-kappa-B, which we will not get into because it's also complicated. But let's look at something really practical. Let's look at what melatonin can do for you-know-who. Now, um, if you know a little bit about you-know-who, you've heard about angiotensin-2, which is a pro-oxidant. It's converted into angiotensin 1-7 an antioxidant by the ACE2 enzymes and ACE2 enzymes are the same enzymes the you know who spike protein attaches itself to to enter the cell now angiotensin 2 increases blood pressure while angiotensin 1-7 lowers and relaxes your blood pressure if you have high angiotensin 2 you will have high reactive oxygen species in the cell which, like we mentioned, is not that great as the dam it, it sort of damages the entire cell, right? Angiotensin 1-7, on the other hand, will decrease your reactive oxygen species in your cells. And the problem you encounter with you-know-who is that when the virus attaches itself to the cell, it knocks out these ACE2 enzyme because the spike protein is now bound to it. So angiotensin 2 increases, angiotensin 1 decreases. And the conversion from angiotensin 2 to angiotensin 1 cannot occur. This is something very important to note. Angiotensin 2 cannot get into angiotensin 1-7, which is sort of where we want to go. And as a result, reactive oxygen species increases into the cell now you know who also increases white blood cell production and proliferation that increases reactive Mm -hmm. oxygen species as well and the end result is that we have a very high oxidative stress and this can turn to multiple things like blood clots and so on and so forth now Why did I mention this? Because melatonin can break this destructive cycle by mopping or taking away the reactive oxygen species, protecting your mitochondria from destruction. So if you're not getting enough sleep at night and not getting enough sun exposure during the day, your mitochondria are basically full of inflammation and melatonin, is sort of the water or like, you know, the ice that you're going to put on all that inflammation. So if your mitochondria are stressed, then you have higher chances of getting you-know-who or any sort of cold or any sort of other things. Um, So if your melatonin system is working perfectly, you're getting enough of sleep and getting plenty of sunlight then you can fight this infection without making it super serious. Then one of the other things I also wanted to mention on the podcast was about not eating so much of vegetable oils. Now, when I look at the data, most people in the world are having a lot, a lot, a lot of vegetable oils. And why do I want to warn you about them? A, it's not really good for you, but B, is because it is full of something called as linoleic acid, which makes up for all, I mean, maybe 60 to 80% of the omega-6 fats that you consume. And a lot of research now shows that it's one of the biggest contributors to all chronic diseases. Now, um, while you we would think that this is an essential fat and cj omega6 we need them uh, when you consume them in excessive amounts that we do right now linoleic acid is actually a sort of like metabolic poison so why because at a molecular level excess linoleic acid consumption can damage your metabolism and it it, it takes away your body's ability to generate energy in the mitochondria so um, linoleic acid is also a sort of polyunsaturated fats or people would think of them as PUFAs and they're especially susceptible. like they can they can get oxidized very easily which means that the fat can break down into harmful subcomponents when linoleic acid is oxidized it has a metabolite called as oxylams. O-X-L-A-M-S, which can cause a lot of this damage. So when you look at the data, over the last 150 years, uh, linoleic acid in the human diet has increased from, let's say, about 150, 200 ago, years ago. We had 2 to 3 grams a day, up to 30 or 40 grams. And that used to make up for about 1 to 2% of the total energy consumption in our diet um, and now it's increased a lot it's sort of like we were on two to three grams per day and now we're on 40 grams so what was one percent my math isn't that great but maybe it's 15 to 20 percent now um and that is not that good now one of the things is that The way all these vegetable or seed oils are processed, um, it's not that great. Uh, And, you know, when you think about, like, this conventionally... This is why I don't eat chicken. The conventionally raised chicken or pork, um, they're being fed all of these grains, which are also higher in linoleic acid. Um, This, what it does is, (laughs) linoleic acid can also increase your risk for so many things including you know who and also surprisingly increase your risk for heartburn and things like sunburn which you don't want because that can have another issue like skin cancer and so on and so forth so eliminating all these vegetable oils in your diet is one of the best ways to reduce your uh, complete health damage profile like think of this think of it this way having less linoleic acid in your diet can help you become more healthy live for a long time perform at your best and um one one other thing is that linoleic acid um when we take it in context of you know who the key one of the key toxins that produces the symptoms of acute respiratory Distress syndrome, or called ARDS, let's keep it simple, is called leukotoxin, which is made by, you guessed it, linoleic acid, um, which is made from actually linoleic acid by the white blood cells to kill pathogens. So basically, white blood cells convert the linoleic acid, into leukotoxin, which contributes to this inflammation and this domino effect that we have in our body. Um, The other thing is leukocytes with um, all this linoleic acid. I can't even remember this right. Linoleic acid conversion. um, They convert it into a toxin until nothing is left. So, it's a major part of the disease process in this whole acute respiratory disease. And um, it also appears that people who have died with you-know-who have been having a lot of vegetable oils, conventionally raised animals. So that's something you can be very off. Don't consume a lot of these conventionally raised animals or vegetable oil and go out more in the sun sleep well and this will be some of the best things you can do for your health longevity lifespan and i think i've been talking for a very long time i intended for these conversations to be a little bit shorter but hey 31 minutes isn't bad so thank you for listening This is your host, CJ, signing out from the Shift with CJ podcast. Everyone have a great day ahead of you. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.